chapter 1. <clears throat> you know, last night we had our Christmas caroling, and, and uh, that's always uh, a, a fun time for our church. And uh, Which one of your grandsons thinks it's the best thing in the world? Isaac, yes. Isaac kept saying, this, this is awesome. I love doing this. And then, and then we said, well, we're, we're heading back to the church to eat cookies. Do you want to keep singing? No, let's go. <laughs> but one of the things that I have found about this season is the fact that people like to sing. I, I, I purposely, over the last few days, uh, probably about the last week or so, have paid attention when I've been in stores. Um, and, uh, you know, even in Walmart, uh, which I, I don't like even going to, but especially this time of year. Um, but people walk through the store and they, and they sing. Although, you know, they, they just, and, and I don't even think most people even realize they're doing it. Just, you know, they got the Christmas music playing in the background and they're singing along to the songs and so on and so forth. But, um, the only place that I find it strange to sing Christmas carols, and I don't even know why, is in Lowe's. I just, you know, sort, sorting two-by-fours, singing Christmas carols just doesn't seem to... <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just it just doesn't seem to feel right. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway... As I as I have <clears throat> as I have been uh, thinking about this, and you know, most Christmas carols not not Christmas songs. Okay, there are a lot of songs out there about Christmas, but I'm talking about Christmas carols. They all tend to center around a single event, and that is the birth of Christ. And and rightfully so. Uh, uh, let me give you an example. The 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 <clears throat> the first Noel we sang it last night as we were caroling a couple times. But the first verse of this says the first Noel the angels did sing was to certain poor shepherds in fields where they lay, in fields where they lay keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 Noel. And I, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, I always want to know what words mean. And I'm, so I looked up the word Noel. And uh, how many of you think that word is in the Bible? Okay, good. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> uh, the word Noel is not in the Bible. In fact, it is a French word that means to be born. Uh, and so referring to the first Noel is referring to <clears throat> the firstborn of God. And uh, so I, I found that to be interesting. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, uh, Who is the image of the invisible God, uh, the firstborn of every creature? <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 6, and again, when he bringeth in the first uh, begotten of, into the world, he saith, uh, and let all the angels of God worship him. Jesus, I, I wore this tie on purpose because it, it is the names of Christ. 
I wore it because of it being Christmas. And one of the names on here is the light of the world, right there. The light of the world. And he is the light of the world. As I contemplated uh, the message this morning, I thought, you know, Christ is the light of the world, but he was born in the dark of night. What better time for the light of the world to be born than in the dark of night? See, it was on that night, that dark night, that God gave us a song in the night. Job chapter 35 and verse 10. But none saith, Where is God my Maker, who giveth songs in the night? I don't believe that Christ being born at night was an accident. I think that God had planned that from the very beginning. Because night in Scripture often refers to a dark season of life. Let me give you an example. In Job chapter 30, verses 16 and 17, Job said, And now my soul is poured out upon me. The day of my affliction have taken hold on me. My bones are pierced in me in the night season. And my sinew take uh, take no rest. In the Bible, when it oftentimes the word night is referring to that dark season of life that we can all experience at times. And Jesus is the light of the world, born in the dark of night. I think it's very symbolic, if you would. And as I contemplated the message this morning, a thought came to my mind. And I'm going to ask you a question. Can anybody tell me what the first Christmas carol was and who sang it? Nope. Close. Okay, the person who sang it was Mary. And we refer to it today as the the Magnificat. The Magnificat, the word Magnificat means, it is a Latin word that means my soul. So the song that we are about to read was Mary pouring out her soul. So let's look at Luke chapter 1 in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. There, there, that is probably why it's called the Magnificat, is because it starts off very clearly, Mary pouring out her soul. In verse 2 it says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he, he hath regarded the lowest state of my handmaid, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. 
And he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm and hath scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty with their seats and exalted the low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich hath he sent empty away. He hath uh, holden his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to his fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. and Thank you for the, your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we look at the message and the, your word this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, and that you would help us. We are truly grateful and thankful for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The title of my message is this. It's the joy, the gift of joy. The gift of joy. And <clears throat> I think the thing that is, to me anyway, so special about this song that Mary sang is that it was spontaneous. It wasn't a song that we... That, that she memorized as a child. It wasn't something that it was in a songbook. It was something that poured out of her soul. It was spontaneous. Not only was it spontaneous, but it was what we call Christocentric or, or it was Christ-centered. It was about Christ. Everything about this song it is her joy about what Christ was going to do through her. My first point this morning is joy in the midst of confusion. Joy in the midst of confusion. Look at, uh, back up a little bit and look at verse 34. <clears throat> to get the context of what was going on in Mary's life, uh, in, in, in verse 34, it says, And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? <clears throat> Saying, I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the, of the highest <clears throat> shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is, <clears throat> excuse me, and this, and this is the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, I don't know if you underline in your Bible or highlight or do anything like that, but I would highlight or underline verse 37. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We can honestly say 
that in Luke chapters 1 and 2, we see two miraculous births. Elizabeth was old enough to, unfortunately, especially in that culture, she was given the title barren. That means that everybody in the community, everybody that knew her, knew that she was too old to conceive. And obviously, she had not had any children prior to this miraculous birth that God brought into her life. Can anybody tell me who who this baby was, would be? John the Baptist. And as we continue in the New Testament, he would be known as John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, who was the forerunner, who who at one point when asked, hey, are you the Christ? His answer was, I am not even worthy to undo his shoelaces. This is the, 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 the baby that Elizabeth is carrying. Look at verse 14, uh, verse 1, or chapter 1, excuse me. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This is referring to John's birth, okay? Uh, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall uh, drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel uh, shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 17, And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the and disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the just and make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am old. I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. I I hope Elizabeth did not hear him say that. And the angel answered and said unto him, I am Gabriel that standeth in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb Uh, and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believe not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. So what happens here is is, is, uh, Zechariah doesn't believe Gabriel, and he says, because of your unbelief, you will not be able to speak until all these things are fulfilled. But I love what he says. He says, I'm an old man and my wife, it it can't happen. All things are possible with God. All things. Joy in the midst of confusion. Do you think things were kind of a little confused at this point? Here, an old lady is giving birth to John, who this this man who would be known as John the Baptist, and Mary, a virgin, conceiving 
of the Holy Ghost? Do you think, you think maybe confusion was a little part of it? Look at verse 24. <clears throat> and after the, those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days where, wherein he looketh upon me to take away my reproach among men. See, it was, a, it was a sad thing for a woman to be barren in those days. And now God was doing something very special in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life. Verse 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Joy in the midst of confusion. Mary's, Mary's spontaneous song that we read here a little bit ago, known as the Magnificat, <clears throat> was not mechanical. It was, they, it was not empty words. But it was Mary allowing words to flow out of her heart and soul and magnifying Christ. As I was reading this, I was reminded of another song that we, we read in the Old Testament in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Hannah, Hannah prayed fervently to God. She desperately wanted a, a male child. In, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, verses 12 and 13, it says, And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli had thought, had th uh, thought she had been drunken. Eli the priest was in the temple, and he sees Hannah praying, and she's pouring her heart out to God. She was, she was praying so fervently that Eli the priest thought she was drunk. And as I thought about this, I, I, my, the, one of the thoughts that came to me was, when's the last time I prayed like that? When's the last time I, I, was, I was so desperate to hear from God and I was so desperate, I was pouring my heart out to God that, that somebody would think I was drunk. I was praying so fervently. But that was Hannah. Now, for time's sake, we can't read Hannah's song or her prayer. But if you go to Second, or excuse me, First Samuel chapter two, she sang to God, much like Mary did. A lot of similarities between the two songs, and 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 again, she she poured herself out to God. And as I again, meditated on these two songs, I thought, how, how are these two songs relevant to us today? And as I was thinking about it, meditating, I was doing some reading, and, and I came across a quote I wanted to share with you. A guy named Paul Chapel wrote this. He said, Deeply ingrained in our thinking is the belief that we can be happy when life is going well. 
Now I'm going to reread that sentence because it's key. Because, well, let me just reread the sentence and then I'll finish the rest of the quote. Deeply ingrained into our thinking is the belief that we can be happy when life is going well. A raise at work, a good score on a test at school, an unexpected word of praise, attaining our desired weight, (laughs) which I have yet to do, or accomplishing our list of goals, all of these define our happiness, right? Achievement, encouragement, uh, success are wonderful gifts from God. And we should thank Him for them. But none of these things, singularly or in combination, provide a solid foundation for lasting joy. Why? Because jobs change. Friends come and go. Circumstances change. But I'm here to tell you, true joy is only in Jesus Christ because Christ never changes. Christ never changes. Our circumstances will change. The people in our lives will come and go. But Christ never changes. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today, forever. He never changes. So if your joy is attached to your circumstances, to the people around you, your job, you fill in the blank, it doesn't matter. If your joy is tied to anything other than Jesus Christ, you're in for a big letdown. Because true joy is only found in Jesus Christ. Consider the the names of Christ. That's Again, that's one of the reasons I wanted to wear this tie. Consider the names of Christ. Now, obviously for time's sake, I cannot read them all, but I want to give you just a few. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, he's called this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. His name is not just Peace, but the Prince of Peace. In Psalm chapter 46 and verse 1, God is my refuge and my strength a very present help in trouble. Psalm chapter 144, verses 1 and 2. Blessed be the God, uh, excuse me, the Lord my strength, which which teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My goodness, my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, And he in whom I trust, who subdueth my people under me. Psalm chapter 48, verse 14. For this God is our God forever and ever. 
He will be our guide until death. Who is God to you this morning? Who is the, who is the Lord to you this morning? <clears throat> Pick a name. The Messiah, right there. The Prince of Peace. Who is he to you today? See, you can have joy in the midst of confusion because joy can be found in Jesus Christ. Point number two. Not only can we find joy in the midst of confusion, but we can also find joy in the midst of chaos. In the midst of chaos. Turn over to Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made uh, when Cyrenus was governor of Syria. And when all went to be taxed, everyone to his own city, and Joseph also went up from Galilee out, uh, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, <clears throat> everything in, the, in, in Israel, probably in the world at the time, was in chaos because the emperor needed money. And so what does he do? He, he orders a taxing. When, and and what, what, what happens with the taxing is everybody had to go back to their, not their birthplace, but to, to the origin of their home. And because David, or uh, David, um, Joseph was of the lineage of David, King David, he had to go to Bethlehem because that's where David was from. And so everybody of the lineage of David had to descend on that one little town. And that is why there was no room in the inn because everybody was coming in from all over the place because they had to not only... Not only not only did they do a tax at the same time, but they did a census. It was a it was a simultaneous thing. That's why everybody had to go back to their origins. So everybody is moving around hither and yon, and, and it's not just Joseph and Mary. It's the entire country was in chaos because everybody had to go and everybody had to move around, and places were it, it was just it was just chaos. The second Christmas carol was sung in the midst of chaos. Look at verse 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And it shall, and and this shall be a virgin. Uh, excuse me, a sign unto you uh, that you find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, uh, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. In the midst of chaos. Can you imagine what that would have sounded like that night? As the shepherds were out in the fields and there appears an angel and then a, a heavenly host and, they, and they're singing praises to God. Can you imagine? I, I, as I was sitting there trying to imagine, I, 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 obviously I, I, I can't, but it, it had to have been an awesome experience. Where the angels, the, this heavenly host, start singing praises to God in the midst, in the midst of a chaotic world. There can be joy. And and I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't there. But I could just the echo bouncing off the hills and the mountains, and in the valleys, and just. This overwhelming, incredible sound. As awesome as that had to have sounded, not only to the shepherds, but to God Himself. I want you to think about something. As awesome as that would have sounded, the sound of our praise to God is more powerful than when angels sing praise to God. Think about this for a minute. See, angels, one of the purposes of angels was to sing praises to God. And I'm sure they do a great job. Because, I mean, he made them to do that. But when we sing praises to God, and it comes from our hearts, it is an incredible, God calls it a joyful noise. Not a noise in a bad sense, but a joyful noise where when we sing praises to God, God has to smile. Psalm chapter 148, verses 1 and 2. Sing uh, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him from the heights. Praise Him, <clears throat> all His angels. Praise Him, all His host. Psalm chapter Psalm chapter forty. Uh, I'm trying to read too fast. Excuse me. Psalm chapter ninety-eight, verses four through six. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing. Sing unto the Lord with, with the harp, with the harp and the voice of the psalm, with the trumpet 
and sound of cornet. Make a joyful noise before the Lord, the King. God loves it when we praise Him, especially in the midst of chaos. Now, I'm going to probably, I'm going to step out on the limb here and say something that some of you may not be comfortable with. Because I used to think like this. When I, when I first got saved, I was so excited about the Lord and I wanted, to, I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to sing. I wanted to do everything. I was standing in church one time and <clears throat> I don't know what we were singing, but we were singing something. And, and I, I'm, standing, I'm standing and I'm just letting it fly, okay? I did not grow up going to church, so I didn't really know how to sing or do anything. I'm just letting it rip, Okay? I don't know how else to say it, but I'm just, I, I was so excited about God. I'm just singing and singing. And finally, we get about to the halfway through the second or third song. And this old lady standing in front of me turned around and looked at me with this just look of disgust. So you know what I did? Sing louder. No, I quit singing. And I stopped singing because I was convinced I didn't know how to sing. And I have heard testimony of people in our church that have said, you know, Pastor, I don't sing because I don't know how to sing. And let me say this. Again, I may be going too far out on the limb here. Let me say this. Don't do that. Sing praise to God. Whether you can sing or not, he hears, he hears your heart. And, and the point that I'm trying to make here is with, with, with Hannah and with Mary, it came from the heart. And it wasn't until I figured out that when I sing from the heart, it is an incredibly joyful noise to God. It, it is not an, enjoy, an enjoyful harmony to God. It is an enjoyable you be careful, buddy. It is a joyful noise to God. He wants to hear you sing, whether you can sing or not. Don't let, don't let somebody else dictate your joy. Joy in the midst of chaos. And as I, as, again, as I was meditating on this, I, I, I thought of another song. And I'm going to sing this one. No, I'm not. Uh, <clears throat> because I want you to stay, okay? We're not going to, so. <clears throat> as, I, as, I, as I thought of this, I thought of a song that I have sung to myself Many, many, many times. And that is this. The, the, the name of the song, it's, a, it's, a, it's an old southern gospel song. It's called, uh, Sometimes He Calms the Storm. And some of you may be aware of the song. Some of you, it may be one of your favorites too. I don't know, but I do want to sing a couple of, of verses from this song because it, it, it is so true. 
Sometimes he comes a storm. Sometimes he comes a storm with with a whisper, peace be still. He can settle any sea, but it doesn't mean he will. Sometimes he holds us close and lets the winds and waves go wild. Sometimes he calms the storms, and other times he calms his child. And I love that song because it is an incredible reminder to me that there are times when my life can be in absolute chaos, but he will hold me close. There are times when he will calm the storm. But then there are times where he'll let the storms rage and the chaos happen. And yet peace can be a part of my life because my peace is not tied to my circumstances. My peace and my joy is tied to Jesus Christ. And we can have peace in the midst of chaos. The Christmas story is a, is a perfect picture of joy and peace in the midst of chaos. The world literally was being turned upside down so that this emperor could tax them. What a, what a crazy what a crazy scenario was taking place. Not only were people in constant disarray, but then on top of that, they got to pay taxes. Isn't that always a wonderful thing? What is, what is our most favorite day in America? April 15th, right? Everybody knows what April 15th is. There are times he does calm the chaos. In Mark chapter 4, verses 36 to 41, it says, And when they were sent away, the multitude, they, they took him even as was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and waves beat into the ship. Catch the word into, okay? I was in the Navy, and it's never a good idea for the waves to be in the ship. Okay, you want to kind of keep them outside the ship. Okay, just saying. Uh, <clears throat> so that it was now full. Not a good thing. Okay. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on the pillow. And they awake him and said, Master, carest not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and seas obey him? Now, question, was that ship going to sink? No. Why? Because he was on board. He, he, he was at total peace in the midst of chaos. 
There are times when God will calm the seas. When he'll, he'll calm the storms as they rage around us. And then there are times when he will calm his child. And in both scenarios, God will always get the glory. He'll always get the glory. Now in closing, I want to I close with a, a, a verse and a passage. But Paul, in 2 Corinthians, Paul encourages us in 2 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 4 to really look at the big picture. So often, what, what do we do? We, we tend to live in the here and now, do we not? We allow the, the chaos of life to dictate to us how we live today. But Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, is encouraging the believers in Corinth to look at the bigger picture. He says in verse 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh with us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are, are not seen are eternal. Paul is trying to encourage the believers at Corinth to, to get their eyes off of, the, off of the circumstances that are right here, right now. The turmoil, the chaos, and all of the things that's going on. And he, what's he saying here? You know what? The things that are, are here now, right now, they're temporal. They're, they're going to go away. Problems are going to cease. Circumstances are going to change. You, you literally are going to go from one problem to another problem. I mean, that's just life. Unfortunately, I can say with certainty, if you're, if you're not in the midst of chaos right this minute, wait 10 minutes. It's coming. If you're, if you're in a season right now where things are going really good, I don't know about you, but I always, I always kind of catch my breath and go, uh-oh, what's coming? Why? Because we all, we all go seasons, we go through seasons of darkness and light. Darkness and light, darkness and light. It's part of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And he was born in the darkness of night for a reason. And I believe that reason is to remind us that we can have joy in the midst of confusion and that we can have joy in the midst of chaos. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, as we bring our service to an end, and I do ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would encourage us and that you would help us to know you more because of our time together this morning. And Lord, I don't know what's going on in the hearts and lives of everybody here this morning, but I, I do know this, that you are the light of the world. And on that dark 
night in Bethlehem in a manger you became the light of the world. I'm so very thankful for that. Because my joy does not have to be connected to my circumstances, my job, my my friends, my family. My joy only needs to be tied to you. I'm so very thankful for that. With every head